So what I'm saying is that I think like I've been kind of shaped by that understanding that leadership is not just about position or formal authority. Yes, there is some other leadership roles that you play, but it's also about being relational and agentic, mm -hmm. which is that if you can, because you're almost always leading only people, right? Mm -hmm. You can manage process, you can improve process, you can innovate technology, uh, you can do other managerial functions with other factors of how things get done. But when it comes to leading, you're not going to be leading machines, you're going to be leading people. And yes. so, you know, understanding that the relational aspect of leadership is so crucial to be leading people. Welcome to the Next Level Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop. I've been in different leadership positions over the last seven years, and the most rewarding thing is when I'm able to help women on their way to a promotion or a better position with another company. I'm here to help so many more women see their potential and implement small changes every day to make a huge impact in their career. I focus on confidence, self-awareness, communication, growth mindset, networking, and more. If you're ready to believe in yourself and take action, you're in the right place. Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Next Level Leaders. I have taken a little bit of a break. As many of you know, I started a new full-time position as I have released in a previous episode and I had some guest episodes that I needed to get to editing and unfortunately it fell to the back burner while I have been working on some other things and getting acclimated to my new job. So I am excited to be jumping back into the swing of things with more guest episodes as well as more Monday messages. It seems like everyone is enjoying those short messages. So I will continue with those as well. They are definitely easier than some of my longer episodes. So with that being said, I have had this episode hanging out for a little bit and I can no longer keep you from her. Uh, she is amazing. I loved my conversation with Dr. Lata Punamali and honestly, our conversation was so much fun and so insightful. I could listen to Lata for hours. Honestly, our conversation seemed to go by so quickly. I had many more questions that I wanted to ask her. So if you love this episode, be sure to reach out, let me know so we can make sure to prioritize getting her back on the podcast because I was delayed in posting this. I do mention starting a new job or other things that might seem out of sequence. And it's because I recorded this right before I was starting my new position. So let me tell you more about Lata. Dr. Lata Punamali is an associate professor, a chair of the faculty of management and a university fellow at the new school in New York city. She is also the co-founder of InMed Prognostics, which is a tech AI startup and C-Suite for Justice, which is a community of senior executives committed to making their organizations more just, inclusive, and equitable. She is the creator and host of the Management and Social Justice Conversation Series. In her new book, Expansive Leadership, Cultivating Mindfulness to Lead Self and Others in a Changing World, she creates the structure for a transformative whole person approach that considers leadership as a layered, complex phenomenon, blending individual and structural transformation. 
She received her PhD in organizational behavior from Case Western Reserve University. All right. And with that, we'll jump into the conversation I had with Lata. All right, everyone. I am super excited to introduce today's guest. Uh, We have Lata here. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lata. Thank you for having me, Nicole. Of course. All right. So a little background. Me and Lata got introduced uh, through email. I have mentioned in, in several podcast episodes, I get so excited to be pitched different guest opportunities. And uh, typically how it goes is someone will reach out with maybe like a one page description of what this person could speak on in different topics. I get a lot of pitches on more of how to leave the nine to five. And I feel like my audience is very much focused on growing in their career, not ready to exit that career just yet, but perhaps someday. But it's always interesting to find different topics. And uh, when I realized, okay, yeah, we could definitely talk about diversity, inclusion, leadership with Lata, I was really excited to get introduced to her. And I am so excited to be chatting today. Excited to be here. Beautiful. Well, I'll let you introduce yourself personally and professionally. Lata has a huge background of a variety of different things. I was extremely impressed looking through your LinkedIn and our initial introduction. So I'm excited to hear what you want to share with our audience today. Thank you, Nicole, for that kind words. And uh, when you have lived as long as I have, I guess you have had a chance to do some Decades of work, so that looks impressive at this point. But you know, it's it's, it's just the daily, you know, day by day, uh, one day at a time, pushing some work mm-hmm. on. And just to me, the key is you know being diligent, which is showing up every day, and uh, being alert to opportunities, which means you're present to the world in a way that you are able to spot some of the things that need to be done and. Uh, Feel the need, and you know. So then you move another step or another um, lever in the world that you want to live in. And so my personal background is actually, you know, I grew up in India, and uh, you know, some of you listeners might know that it's a fairly patriarchal and a very traditional society, and which which kind of connects to my book because I was taught to meditate from a very young age, but for a long time I struggled with it because it also came with other packages of, Mm -hmm. you know, what I saw as oppression because, you know, it comes to the fact that you as a girl should behave in a certain way. And, And so it took me a while to kind of, you know, understand and integrate that, look, you know, these come in packages and I can pick what I want and refashion other things and combining other things to create a life that is reflects who I am. And yeah. and so <laughs> I started, you know, using their mindfulness in my professional career by using mindfulness as a kind of a practice framework to do leadership development and organizational development. And so, you know, and, and more in terms of my personal background is that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm bi-coastal. My basic location is New York City. I work at the new school as a chair of the faculty of management. And, but I also run a startup in California, in San Diego. 
And I have, you know, I'm married. In fact, I'm married kind of later. And I think you're, especially if there are any single or sole parents uh, in the audience, props to you because I had, I had my son by myself as a sole parent, not as a single parent, a sole parent by choice. But then, you know, I happened to meet my husband after that, several years after that, and, and he was the right person. And, and in fact, I say that in my book dedication that, you know, like he really showed me that how love can be liberatory because for me, there was always conflicting, as I said, with, uh, you know, love being like enforcing of a certain kind of expectations, uh, as especially as a female and to have a, a different frame on it as freeing. And, and I have my, my son is 19. And I was just telling Nicole how it is kind of like, and because he turned adult in quarantine. And so I haven't seen him do other things yet. <laughs> like an adult. You haven't got to experience that full yet. Exactly. And uh, so, and then I have, uh, you know, I have a dog who's my morning uh, routine, actually, that I yeah. talk to my dog while I speak to my mother in India. And uh, so, and, and professionally, like I said, like, you know, I've done uh, several things in terms of, but most of the life in my last 20 years has been an academic career. I was a PhD student and an instructor, then I was a tenure track faculty at a different school. Now I'm a you know tenure faculty and a chair in a different institution. But in the meanwhile, I've always been fairly entrepreneurial, but I've always been entrepreneurial within that I, you know, I always create opportunities and look for opportunities. And, and basically it's not even like I look for opportunities as much as I look for things to be done. And mm -hmm. I feel like, oh, this is missing. So let me step up and do this and uh, do the solution. And I, and I have, so that's kind of like, you know, my introduction in terms of what I do and where I am right now. So thank you for this opportunity to tell a personal story. Yes, of course. It sounds like such a beautiful, full circle of a story of, of kind of how you grew up and, and what you experienced and then uh, now meeting your husband and, and all the things that you've accomplished. I think that that really is such a beautiful, obviously high level story of, of your, your history, but I think you're right. It's, it's helpful for women to hear that who might be later in their career and maybe not yet have found someone to share their life with, or maybe that isn't part of the plan. So uh, I love that you shared that as well. I'm so excited to be talking today about leadership and even when you were talking about everything that you've done throughout your career and throughout your entrepreneurial journey as well is finding something that needs to be done and getting it done or finding a way to get it done, which I think is a great segue into kind of our first question about leadership because if you're sitting by, I think there's so many team members and I thought when I started working, especially in the service industry, I was uh, working at different restaurants and even there you see some of the people who do the bare minimum to get by or they only focus on their tables and it's really interesting when you start to see okay if someone needs help i'm going to help them if something needs to get done i'm going to do it if someone hasn't done previous side work like i'm going to do extra and how do you do that in a way that also helps you stand out uh, i think is important for women especially so lata i'd be interested to hear uh, what your definition of leadership is. Thank you, Nicole. 
And like, you know, Nicole mentioned that one of the things that I think for women, which is the real struggle, is that, uh, and which is true for also other underrepresented minorities that have not been part of major leadership roles, is that you cannot be what you cannot see. And when we always see a certain type of person in leadership roles, we assume that that is what leadership is. Yes. that they have to be a senior executive, that they have to be, you know, in the American context, a white male, in certain other contexts, still a male. So if that's what we grow up seeing and that's what we see in organizations, we kind of expect that is, we accept that is the definition of leadership. And the other piece is that the leadership, even as a research area, has kind of evolved over time. That originally it used to be that, oh, you have to be this, tall and imposing presence that comes and walks into a, a room. And then you look at one of the top 20th century leaders is Gandhi, who was a very diminutive in status. He was old. He was not, you know, any criteria that we think of has to have this imposing presence. Mm -hmm. But he led millions in a pre-internet, pre-technology you know, world to follow him in fighting for the Indian independence. So what I'm saying is that I think like I've been kind of shaped by that understanding that yeah, leadership is not just about position or formal authority. Yes, there is some of the leadership roles that you play, but it's also about being relational and agent, mm -hmm. which is that if you can, because you're almost always leading only people, right? Mm -hmm. You can manage process, you can improve process, you can innovate technology, uh, you can do other managerial functions with other factors of how things get done. But when it comes to leading, you're not going to be leading machines, you're going to be leading people. And yes. so, you know, understanding that the relational aspect of leadership is so crucial to be leading people. And then the other piece is that I think, you know, women are particularly well suited for this. Right, because you know, even in the research says that most times you cannot tell the difference between male and female leadership, except in two things. One is that women tend to be more ethical. They take the moral considerations more seriously as a leader. And the second is women are more collaborative because they're more relational. And partly it's societal conditioning. I'm not saying mm -hmm. it's just like a kind of a nature thing that we are, but I think maybe it's just a societal construction, but which makes us then actually perfect leadership material in this kind of especially in today's world like you know if you notice that female-led countries actually managed covid much more effectively new zealand yes. germany and taiwan and finland managed much more effectively because they led with empathy and so for me is that then it's not like related to position or formal authority only it's important to have position and formal authority. Let me not dissuade you from being ambitious and climbing the ladder, but but don't kind of like buy into this assumption that only then you can be a leader. Nobody grants you the title. You can actually uh, you know, own it and embody it and be a leader. And it's a function of also time and space and who steps up in the moment, right? And I have been thinking very seriously about you know the current uh, American leadership and uh, that who would have ever thought that president biden one of the old white guys would be one of the most progressive presidents uh, in recent history and that's partly a function of i think uh, where the society is 
the rest of the society is and where he can actually step up or he or she, any leader can step up, then there is a need and then there is readiness in the system. And, and a leader is someone, I think, that A, are willing to actually step up and do this and B, can understand where the readiness is. Right, like you become effective leader when you know and gauge the readiness and meet the people where they are, meet mm -hmm. the organization where they are. While you're pushing, you're pushing, but you have to meet them where they are. And uh, yeah, you know, so I think these are great examples of how timing is very important. And even with like President Obama, for example, in their first term, he did not support gay marriage, but the public opinion shifted across party lines. And mm -hmm. then his leadership choices shifted, right? So I think that in a sense, like to be able to be in tune with the organization, with who you are leading and what the system needs. And sometimes, of course, you're going to take risk and push it. So it's a kind of a balance between stepping up and taking risk, but also being really attuned to what the needs are where uh, the readiness of the system is in terms of for you to lead. And similarly, like, you know, if you look at many of these movements, uh, whether even in the corporate sector, right, you know, like now companies are all like trying to get on the DEI wagon and supporting mm -hmm. women and minorities. And, and I'm not saying that it's very cynical, but I'm saying that they also are trying to respond to the current need. So I think that's kind of a critical piece for me. I look at leadership as relational, not just positional. And you look at leadership as agentic, which is empowering yourself to act mm -hmm. and step up and to be very attuned. And so you're able to pay attention to opportunities to lead and opportunities to be of service. And opportunities to lead is not just kind of like about personal prestige, but it is about changing the world for just a little bit better. It could be just your little department. It could be just my little, you know, uh, universe. It doesn't have to be that you all have to uh, be presidents to be leading yeah. or CEOs yes. to be leading. But I think those are what I think, you know, it's really important in terms of looking at leadership and so how we define ourselves and our role in the world becomes really crucial to shaping how we define uh, leadership and how we act. Yes, so much good stuff. I was over here furiously writing notes uh, because I didn't want to forget some of the things I wanted to comment on and I appreciate such a variety and diverse background that you shared of some of these different leaders. One thing I, I wrote down is stepping up in the moment and to the women tuning in, finding those moments to really step up and be willing to do something and raising your hand. And I've shared this in several episodes of not being afraid to raise your hand when you don't feel fully ready, but being willing to do it and know that you will find the answers. You will find the support that you need to get the project done or whatever it might be that you're volunteering for but stepping up in the moment is so big and when we can be more aware of what's going on around us maybe that includes having uh, cross-department one-on-ones and, and fully understanding what other team members are working on so that you can see more of the bigger picture. When things are brought up, you can say, oh, well, I also met with the product team last month and they were mentioning some of these as their pain points. So now that I know more of this on our end, what if we suggested this as a, a change or 
uh, adjustment or whatever it might be. And that is a huge step in the right direction. So I would continue to uh, encourage you to, to find ways to step up in the moment. And part of that is finding mentors or team members who can help you feel more confident in doing that, as well as career coaches or whoever might be able to additionally support you to kind of get out of your comfort zone. You also mentioned meeting people where they are and I think that is such a huge huge emphasis on leadership because that empathy and and relatability of understanding where they're at is is huge. People want to feel understood and when you can have a leader come into an organization or leader of people as a president or whatever it may be, when you can come in and actually acknowledge and understand where people are struggling uh, and it's coming from a good place where you actually are understanding. You're not just saying the words, you're truly understanding. I think that makes uh, such a, a big difference in And same along those lines uh, where you mentioned with Obama changing some of his big opinions through his presidency. I think that that is such a great reminder that it's okay to, to be growing and evolving. And I mean, myself, gosh, I've learned so much in the last year and I know that I can do so much better as well to continue to be focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion and uh, lifting others up. I mean, my huge focus is women, but what could I do in addition to that with uh, more minority women is uh, something that's a focus of mine as well. So I think that that's great that you mentioned change and what a huge platform to be owning as the president of a country to be saying, oh, I actually have changed my mind because I'm listening to the people. I'm listening to the people who are affected by this. And now I'm actually understanding, whereas he is a straight male. So he didn't understand a lot of that. Maybe he didn't have anyone in his direct circle who had different orientation than him. So how do you start getting more used to that? And I think that's that's what one thing you mentioned about not just creating a circle with people who look like you and who show up like you and who are in the same kind of work or, that you're in or or whatever it might be, really getting out of your comfort zone and, and looking into ways to connect with different people because that's how you learn and evolve and grow uh, as a person and as a leader because you are truly understanding these. And so if it's someone who maybe, for example, for the gay marriage or or just anti anything, it's understanding, go meet with some of these people and truly try to understand them. And if your opinion doesn't change or you aren't at least more empathetic, then maybe we have some additional coaching opportunities. But yeah, it's definitely a, a big thing to open up and be more expansive. I'm not saying you need to change your opinions on all things, but be open to new ideas because as a leader, you're going to have all sorts of different things thrown at you. And then you have to collectively decide where do we go and, and having that ability to try on different views Mm -hmm. is huge. Well, I think Nicole, you make some excellent points. And uh, one of the things that I kind of wanted to tag on and add is that, you know, an underrated quality of leaders is actually humility, right? Mm. And because when you have humility, then you know that you don't know everything. 
Yeah. And when you don't know everything, you have to be open to learning new things. And which means, like, I, I love how you pointed out this, you know, growing and evolution that happens for people. Through, and to me, that's all there is in life, ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Is that how you evolve and learn with whatever life throws at you and with whatever you make of life that uh, comes your way. And so I really love uh, the, you know, the way you summarized and, uh, and responded. Very thoughtful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, you gave me so much to to think about in addition, which is great. I mean, how many conversations do I have around leadership? And I love the different responses that I get of what people truly see as leadership figures who have helped influence their lives or have helped them realize maybe what they don't want to be like is more common, (laughs) but it still helps us learn and grow, which is amazing. Well, I wanted to segue into women and focusing on owning their power. And I know we kind of mentioned this in our pre-call about you know, how do women own this greatness that we are? I mean, if so often and historically women weren't really lifted up and so I think we're living in a really beautiful time where we're recognizing how strong and powerful women really are and and when we're creating more equality around that I think is amazing so uh, what would you say or how would you say that women can truly own their power you know it's a great question and when we had the pre-call and you know, you, we talked about this question. I think the important thing is to kind of look at, you know, how can women own their power? And yes. what is our relationship with power? Right? I've been doing this work for a long time with leaders and, uh, you know, teaching in formal contexts, but I don't do much individual coaching, but in terms of leadership development for organizations and for a long time now. And every time, because I started thinking about power very seriously uh, a while ago, because power is always seen as a negative, right? Like, you know, power hungry is such a, it's the worst thing you can tell a person about, yeah. right? And and so really thinking about what is anyone's relationship with power? Because we look at power from, usually from two different aspects. One from a moral aspect of like, somebody who seeks power is somebody who's not a good person, right? Because they're power hungry or they're power greedy or they are like kind of a narcissistic oppressive people. And the second contention of power is that power corrupts, that absolute power, right? Uh, corrupts. And, and so, you know, so there is a moral component of expectation that power is going to be corrupted and power uh, seeking power is a bad thing. And the other piece is that it looks at it from who has access to power and who does not have access to power, right? And I don't remember, like, you know, uh, my son and I were watching like a film. I think it's The Parasite, and it's a Korean film that came two years back and won the Oscar. And it, okay. They're like, you know, they say that it's only the rich people who say that, no, it was, it was, actually, it was actually a Tamil film in my language that we watched a couple of nights back. And so the statement that like, you know, only rich people say that you don't need money to be happy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because money does not give you happiness. But the fact is that when you don't have enough money, you are like running in circles to just pay bills. And, and yeah. we know that, you know, like in a country like ours, where we have 50% of the households are headed by women and, and, and a large portion of them are like, you know, 
most of our families are one paycheck away from really going under financially. Mm-hmm. And uh, to say that you don't need money uh, to be happy is an absolute insult when we have that. Similarly, making power a bad thing keeps people like women and minorities who are disenfranchised and don't have access to power, keeps us in our place that we don't need to seek power because we are better beings, right? And so to me, one of the things that I ask this question, like most people are ambivalent, even men, they feel hesitant to say that, yes, I want to be powerful, right? Do you want to be powerful? I ask, how many of you want to be powerful? Yeah. And, and there's a bit of a, a self-censoring moralization there that, no, 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 I don't want to be powerful. And it's especially true of women because we are so conditioned to cultivate kind of a domestic power. Like you have power over your children, you can manipulate your husband, you can, you know, kind of things like that, but does not give you opportunity to cultivate power in a social or a public context. Right? How do we mm-hmm. even all the look at all the portrayals of like PTA moms in films and things like that? You know, like most of the time the moms are like working so hard, putting things yeah. together so the schools will have some resource, their kids will have, you know, additional sports equipment or get a field trip or whatever. But then the popular culture portrays these moms as like power hungry people that want to run the world. Yeah, you know what, like maybe if we have the chance to run the world outside, we don't have to be power hungry in small little places. We can be like more service oriented instead of making it into a power game. But the thing is that power does not always have to be about just self-promotion or about selfish ends. But we need power to change the world for the better, right? We need power to speak up against injustice. We need yes. power to speak up for ourselves because a lot of times our, we are the, you know, voiceless <laughs> in many places, in many meetings. And we need the power to challenge fundamental assumptions about how organizations are run. Like why, you know, should, for example, a, a young mother who wants flexibility in her job, she's not saying, I don't want to work. She's not saying, I don't want to work 60 hours or 40 hours or 50 hours. She's saying that, look, I want to work part of it from home because yes. I raised my son, right, while building a career. And as a faculty member, I did have some flexibility. So for me, taking a break on the days that I work from home to start dinner, to clean, to do laundry, gives me so much control over my life versus taking a break and going for coffee with your colleagues gives you access to resources and networks, but I don't need to do that five days a week. I can do that three days a week, two days a week, and have a little bit of a balance. So uh, so we need to challenge those norms that, you know, uh, flexibility can be inclusivity. That's just by offering flexibility, we can actually promote inclusion. And so the question is like, you know, when it comes to power, we can really look at those things in terms of like, you know, power to do good, power to change, power to stand up for ourselves, power to stand up for those who are voiceless. And, and so for women, I really encourage you to reflect on how you define power and how you like to use the power. And what is the source of power that you feel most comfortable with, right? Some of us like to be, for us, like for example, like, you know, for most of us who are academics, we like our power to come from our knowledge, right? Our expertise. I don't want to be CEO of a large company. I mean, I am a CEO of my startup, but that's because I started, but not because I wanted to do that. 
And uh, for some of us, you know, it is kind of being an influential person. It's called, they call it referent power because you are an inspiring person that people look up to. And you don't need, and we all know people like that in our organizations, that they may not be, they may be the secretary that's hold, held the job for the last 20 years, but they have informal power. They know yes. about the organization, they are looked up to because they have cultivated good relationships, they have, you know, they are liked. And I think that's a huge thing. If you're well liked, you have power. And so mm -hmm. really understanding like, what is the kind of nature of power and source of power that you personally are comfortable with and you seek to cultivate and uh, how can you deliberately cultivate it and the other piece is that i think part of the power is actually is in saying no yes right women tend to get loaded a lot with less urgent less important but needs to be done stuff and that means like then you're not getting the visibility you need to do that, but somebody has to do it. And so they will, you know, organizations tend to load, load that up with people, especially women tend to be like doing a lot of service oriented jobs. And can we actually say no? How do we set your boundaries? And I think part, part of the power is in that, in terms of like how your time gets used, how your resources get used. And sometimes, of course, we stay flexible because we know that in certain contexts, it's a quid pro quo that we do something and which means like we are cultivating some goodwill by stepping up and uh, saying yes to something uh, that we don't necessarily want to do or we don't see that's the best use of the time. But we do that because we take the long term view of but it is doing it with the awareness. It is knowing that, yes, I can say no and I am comfortable saying no, but I'm saying yes, because I know this helps me and my career or the organization in the long run. So I will do this for this period of time. And so how do you set your boundaries? How do you manage your boundaries? When do we actually boundary span? Like, you know, Nicole, you talked really nicely about these different departments. Like you are a department and you're talking to somebody else and like saying the product management department or the R&D division or in marketing. And you're saying that like, hey, this is going on. And when do we share information? And when do we share resources saying that, like, you know what, like, I'm okay, I have a lot of time, I can step in and help you. But when you offer that, what happens is then also there are always like cross-divisional rivalries, right, and jockeying for resources. So it may not, it may come across as you're saying that, like, my department is actually overstaffed. That's not a good idea either. And so really understanding how do we manage boundaries when do we span boundaries and when do we set boundaries uh, i think it's really crucial for women and and the other piece is that you know really paying attention to ourselves which is like i i say this in my mindfulness practice is like pay attention do you feel like a yes or do you feel like a no mm -hmm. right our bodies are pretty wise and they're great sources of data for us uh, to look at, right? Like, you know, like, am I excited or am I scared? And am I really uncomfortable with the situation? Uh, and then especially for women with, you know, all the sexual harassment uh, that goes on and it could be minor, it could be, you know, the aggressive behavior, in, which is kind of like just skirting the line. And so you don't know, like, am I making a big deal of it? No, if you pay attention to yourself and if it's a no, it's a no. And so kind of paying that attention and really understanding, like, how do you stand when you feel powerful? How do you, you know, where does power sit in your body? Does it straighten your spine, right? Does it uh, make you 
feel like stand tall and be powerful? Does it make you feel like embarrassed and like, no, I don't want to be powerful kind of a position, right? And uh, which female leaders inspire you? And uh, who do we look up to? And uh, what kind of leader? Because as there is variety of female leaders, as much as there is a variety of male leaders, and there are some male leaders who are fantastic mentors to women. And so it is not just gender based, but it's really understanding like what kind of leader do I want to be? How do I want to embody power? How do I want, what kind of good use of power do I see that makes the world better? And how can I emulate it and cultivate it and, and, and develop strategies and tactics on how I uh, operate powerful? And the last thing I want to leave with in power is that if you have real difficulty claiming your power, and I hear that because, like I said, like you know, I was raised in a very, very uh, patriarchal uh, society, so I really understand that you know, even now, like for instance, like Nicole said that my publicist contacted her, and I have like for a very short time for the book promotion, and. I felt, I feel very awkward to say to people that I have a publicist because it feels like, you know, I'm not like Kim Kardashian. Like, you know, why do I have publicist? But the fact is then I thought about it and I said, you know what, I want this book to reach people. I wrote it so people can actually read it and use it in their lives, in their professional development practice, if they are a leadership development consultant or a coach. The book lays out everything. It gives the entire methodology, it gives exercises, it gives tools. So I have been like not kind of saying that buy the book, then you can consult with me. I'm saying, no, here's the book, take it and run with it. So I want this book to reach. So kind of understanding that how do we then, if you have difficulty, I suggest that you link your power to purpose, uh, yes. right? It's not power to just like for us to feel good or be feel stronger or better or whatever. Because when you have difficulty internalizing power, uh, counterintuitively, it helps to actually depersonalize it. That it's not power for yourself, it's power for your ideas. It's power yes. to uh, advance your purpose. It's power to make the world better. Maybe it's your commitment to environment, women's issues, like for example, like Nicole, you run like a top rated podcast, right? And yes. uh, at least that's what I hear from publicists, like you're a five, top 5% uh, podcast, which is extraordinary, congratulations. And you do a great job because I listen to several of them, right? And in preparation, and you do a great job, but you come across with such grace in it, right? Thank you. That because, you know, your commitment to women and minority leaders shines through. And, and so in a sense, like, you know, nobody's going to deny you're a powerful woman. You are in the world of podcasts, especially. And so, but then you wear it really well, uh, because it's so much kind of embodying your values, your purpose and your goal. And I think you really walk that. And so really kind of understanding, so th thinking about connecting power with purpose makes some of us who are a little bit uncomfortable with it, take that on much more easily and feel comfortable with that. So. Yeah, that's so much great information. Again, thank you for sharing so many different facets of power. I think that is beautiful. And thank you for your kind compliments. I 
I do want more people to know that showing up as yourself is what helps create your particular way of being a leader and and kind of owning that power that you can have within those different roles. And the whole reason why I created the podcast was because a couple, almost two years ago, we're coming up on the two-year mark, there wasn't a voice even remotely close to what I felt that women needed to hear. And of course, everyone resonates differently with different podcast hosts, which is so great that you can, if you don't relate, great, go find something else that you do relate to, which is nice that trying on different things is helpful. One thing I also noted and I loved like everything you mentioned, it it opened up my mind so much of power and women and yeah, so many things are going through my head right now. But one thing I did want to encourage someone who maybe feels like, wow, this is a lot of information to to take in and I would recommend uh, saving this episode, going and listening to it again, maybe in a week after you've kind of sat through some of the the feelings and can get a sense of direction of where you want to go. I love that you talked about somewhat of prioritizing what you want to do in, in your work. For women, sometimes we do feel like we do what we're told in a way, kind of from that hierarchy uh, standpoint. And we say yes to things. We take a lot on our plates and then we're trying to get all these things done. So what I would recommend doing is writing a list of what do you really like doing at work? What do you, what are you good at, but you don't enjoy doing. That's a huge one for me where I was really good at a lot of different things, but they didn't bring me joy and happiness in the workplace, but I was good at it. So people like misunderstood that I wanted to keep working on things like that. So that caused some just not super happiness in my own work. So if anything, from the stance of power, what makes you feel in a great state of, okay, I'm doing this for the greater good or for uh, other people who are going to come after me. Uh, I loved that you talked about linking that to purpose. And I think so many women go after these leadership roles and get out of their comfort zone because they do want to make a path for those who have felt like maybe they couldn't do it. So someone has to kind of stand up and and say that it can be done. And I feel like we've had many beautiful female leaders and very diverse leaders who have done this in the past to say it can be done and, and I'm willing to kind of be the first person to do it. I I love it. Well, I wanted to, now that we've kind of talked about power, I'd love to transition into ambition. And I think you uh, talked about this when you mentioned kind of purpose that kind of uh, relates to ambition, but how can women lean into their ambition? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a really great question. I mean, obviously like owning the ambition is good first to ourselves, right? That it's okay to be ambitious. You're allowed to be ambitious. You know, we are all allowed to be ambitious. And ambition, like power, does not have to be a bad thing. And But I, I come at it a little bit differently. I think leaning in is outwards. But I think you can lean in by letting go inward, inside yourself. So it's, again, like, you know, I think a lot of our, you know, my take on it is a bit counterintuitive because I think, you know, we need to let go of preconceived notions of am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to be ambitious? Am I allowed to be powerful? And you know, letting go of those things. 
and the other piece is like expectations of perfectionism mm-hmm. right and i think because like nicole you mentioned earlier like if there is an opportunity and even if you're not like fully comfortable with that confident that you can do it you should take it up and a lot of times i think it's men do take it up all the time yes we see yes. that right like they are like okay yeah i can do this and maybe they can maybe they can't we don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. so, and but i think part of it is our you know pressure on perfectionism that you know what it's okay you take it up you don't do it as well you still learn and if you can frame it with confidence around learning even with your bosses right yeah. because we are worried about like oh my god like if i do this and don't do this well and then like you know i will have like a backlash on it and i have to defend myself you know what human beings are learning machines yes we learn and grow and basically educate your boss and your manager and supervisor about this that yes you know i tried and and, and also of course like you know i always say that managing upwards is a very important quality and competence as you're building your career it's not just your job you're doing but it's also you're building a career in an organization and a profession so you really need to learn to how to manage those expectations from outside and part of it is educating them they don't know all the things that we think they do right because they know their experience and uh, sometimes we don't have a supervisor who's walked our path and so sometimes there is an educational component involved in it in terms of doing it and the other part is like being proactive right we say yes and then we don't seek help because we are scared that we said yes and so i should be able to do this all by myself and i won't ask for resources and and then the last minute like okay i won't do it and and then obviously it's like a kind of a you know like a career killer in that way but to be proactive about it and be very transparent about it saying that like i'm taking this on it's great and do an audit and talk to people who have done this before or go and ask your supervisor like hey you know what like i can do xyz really well but i need some help with abc maybe because it's like maybe it's just time like they assume yes. that you will finish this job in like five day week but maybe you will have to ask for overtime because you're saying that no it takes more time than what i thought or more time than what you thought and i need to budget more time for it it could be simply that or it could be that like you know uh, i need this additional excel skills that is macro skills or whatever can i actually then get trained in it or and now you know with training like there are so many self uh, uh, you know paced modules that are available right with linkedin learning with coursera and all that stuff so it is not like your company is going to you're not asking your company to spend thousands of dollars and send you to like you know harvard to learn something you're saying like i need this particular skill set can i get like 100 dollars like a you know on a udemy that i can quickly learn and give me like 8 hours of time working time mm-hmm. to learn this and so i can be more effective so really kind of like you know be on top of it when you take risk and uh, be proactive and keep remember that part of the thing is that it's kind of like a, part of the job is to make your boss look good mm-hmm. right which means like you understanding that they also have other pressures that they have to manage and so kind of like being on top of it and so letting go of the uh, expectations of perfectionism and taking some risks and taking ourselves a little bit with lightness right it's okay it's okay if we make mistakes we are humans we make mistakes 
and uh, none of us are infallible and and uh, that is true for also parenting and family and everything like you know not all of us have to be like homesteaders and processing food and you know we, we all try to be the best we are we can be at every different part of our life and that's all we can do as human beings right so don't put yourself under so much pressure i mean like you want to be conscious and intentional about your own learning and growth in different spaces of life it's progress not perfection and and perfection is truly the enemy of progress right and i teach this even with mindfulness like some of my mindfulness students are like why oh, i cannot meditate because the minute i sit my mind wanders i'm like it's not just you it's mine too after like all these practice because this is what it does right and so but if you don't sit because your mind will wander you will never learn how to do it and similarly like you know like it's it's don't kind of hold on to this perfectionism and uh, say yes to positions of leadership as nicole said and get a taste of leadership success and power and so you kind of start building confidence around claiming that space and and then the true freedom to me is like psychological freedom right and so don't fall prey to the myth that feed you that you have to stay small because the world is getting actually a lot better and this is a fact that we never hear in a lot of these things yes there is a lot of slide backs don't get me wrong right like you know it's like two steps forward one step backward and that is how right. social change happens but not too long ago there were only like five or six female fortune founder ceos less than a decade ago and in fact like when pepsico's indira nuhi stepped down it went from six to five i remember feeling like oh my god like when this is only going down but yeah. still we have 41 out of which two are black females and wow. so we have to be optimistic we have mm-hmm. to pay attention to the positives that kind of like then we have like 41 fortune 500 ceos look look at now uh, right somebody that looks like us and maybe came from similar backgrounds and things like that and then the you know the other is uh, the myth is that you know this is another thing which is like we always talk about old boys network uh, which is true and the old boys network and you know the golf buddy and uh, mm-hmm. someone that i play cards with and and i think it's important but the thing is that the what the myth is that women don't have it that is actually not true but women the research shows is that don't use the informal networks women think mentoring can happen only in formal organizational contexts like how you have to be a formal leader to be a leader similarly yes. that they have to be in your organization uh you have to have a professional relationship with them to be your mentor or ask for opportunities or you're setting up a new business and you want to get some connections and you can ask that you know with uh, other women you hang out with you don't have to necessarily think that that is right that uh, i don't want to ask like my fellow moms at the school that bring snacks for games but i cannot ask that no you can that's what the men do men go play golf and ask them for favors ask them for introductions ask them for connection ask them for advice so kind of like you know understanding that you can actually you do have access to networks and 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 use them and definitely i think you know linkedin has really democratized the power of building networks right which is that you have five people in your network say go and ask each of them like introduce me to five me five more people and be authentic and open about it it is fine because people understand that like you know we do come from i'm not saying disadvantage but we don't have the same accumulated history 
like you know if, if somebody that went to you know like for example like for the first time i think in recent history the us white house has two the president and the vice president both of them did not go to an ivy league it has not happened in the last i don't know how many years from the clinton wow. era to you know the two bushes and to obama they were all ivy leaguers and for the first time we have state school people sitting in the white house and so what i'm saying is that you know sometimes like you know things do are changing and things do get shaken up and i think you know don't be hesitant and cultivate your own networks and one of the things i would all you know like if there is no room at the table build your own table yes. right build your own table make your own networks make your own connections and you know set up a meetup when things open up and they're opening up set up a meetup and hang out with people and make it even just for women is fine <laughs> right you don't have right. to but you can do it if you want to and then the other piece like this is really important right like which is kind of you know is that we don't speak up and i love uh, podcasts like the calls and others that actually showcase uh, women and their stories and you know how people have navigated different things because mm -hmm. facts only convince or persuade but emotions inspire right if we hear that like there are 41 ceos among women and we're like okay that's great but we may not all be inspired by that because we may think other things like oh you know probably they went to this kind of a school or they came from this mm -hmm. background or you know they come from a family of ceos whatever 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 right but then you yes. kind of go and listen to their stories and really look at them and think like yeah some of them might have some of them may not have and some of them have broken through boundaries just like ours right like you know we may come from whatever background you come from and so kind of like if peace using stories sharing stories use your voice share your you know sometimes you have to normalize success and failure to me equality is when we can also fail right yes. if the minority majority groups can fail and rebuild women and other minorities should be afforded the same privilege of failing right otherwise be tokenized we say that oh you have to be the first vice president of the country or you have to be the you know whatever no i think you know you can start a business and fail and uh, that's okay and that should be normalized which means like we have to be open about it Right? we are we are open about it we share our stories of success and failure and the other piece is actually like you know fair salary data because i think mm. one big thing even now is that we don't make the same dollar for what a man makes for the same job mm-hmm at any level at every level and and i was quite a surprise actually like when i started as an assistant professor i worked in a state school that publishes salaries and i don't i'm not blaming anybody and the person that started with me was a male public state schools publish salaries because it's the taxpayer money and they publish same person same degree we were hired together yeah they were paid a little bit more not mm -hmm. a lot more and so but that little bit more by compound interest right every yeah. raise is on that little bit more exactly right because if they got like you know $3000 more than me their raise of 5% is going to be on the n plus 3000 at yeah. so which means like it adds up over time and i'm not giving oh, yeah. them i did not ask mm -hmm. i did not ask 
that, okay, like push a little bit more. So my second job, I was a little bit more like, no, 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 you got to give me a little bit more. And so what I'm yeah. saying is that like, I think women should share salaries with each other and get male allies to share salary data, right? When we are transparent, then you can actually ask for equity. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the same job. Why am I not being paid the same wages? Right. And it doesn't have to be always like, you know, I don't, when I deal with organizations and, you know, supervisors or mentors, it's like, I like to approach it from kind of a joint problem solving. Yes. Not just like a putting them in a spot and blaming them. I think mm-hmm. because that's not going to move the needle in my experience. I think finding partners, finding allies and finding uh, ways to kind of push your agenda and move the needle is important. So I think that yes. definitely like, you know, lean in, you own the ambition, you have a right to ambition, you have a right to career progression, you have the right to do, you know, be a CEO, drop out, start a company, be successful, whatever is success for you. Yes, you have the right to it. I love it. I think that's so much good information as I've repeated several times. One thing I really liked and noted was in this ambition, I think so often we think we don't, we only see the end result, right? We see the overnight success, which I have so many terms, which I really hate. And that's one of them because it's not, you're not an overnight success. I'd, I'd be curious to really truly see all these people who are deemed that and see their stories of what truly led up to this quote unquote overnight success. Because someone even like Brene Brown, who's a big mentor of mine who I adore, you know, we start seeing more of her lately and we think, oh, overnight success. But then when you're hearing her speak about how she's been doing this work for 20 years, and more, you're like, oh, she's been here all along doing the work. We have just seen more of her in this kind of peak of her career of where we really need her message and and all of her amazing books and all the things. What I would really recommend to women tuning in is to talk to other leaders about their growth. Have a conversation with your manager in a one-on-one and say, hey, this is kind of a little bit different of an approach, but I wanted to know if you'll share some of your struggles with me along your growth in your career. Did you always feel ready for that next step of moving into a senior manager or a director or a VP? How did you feel along that growth? And when you create those uh, safe spaces where someone can truly open up, you know, maybe this isn't going to happen in a first one-on-one per se, but as you've built that relationship and you can say, I I get kind of nervous getting out of my comfort zone or even volunteering for a project. I'd love to hear your struggles along the way of your growth in your career, or maybe someone took on a project and it went really well. Go talk to that person and say, hey, did you feel confident like from minute one or were there some ebbs and flows and ups and downs along the way and if you wouldn't mind sharing those and that could be for men or women in the workplace I think that would be extremely helpful to understand some of that bigger picture of what these people have gone through because it truly is eye-opening and it helps us feel more normal because so often even in me trying to look for some work recently I was trying to do everything kind of very quietly and behind closed doors in the sense of, 
you know, I'm a career coach. If I want a job, like it should just magically appear in my hands. Well, that was not the case. And I truly didn't find an amazing opportunity until I did exactly what I tell everyone else to do, which is reach out, ask for help, get vulnerable, ask your network to connect you to more people who could be a good fit for where you want to go. And that's what finally landed me in my uh, new position that I'll be starting in. So having conversations around that is a great place to start if you're feeling like, oh, I have to be perfect and show up amazing in all the ways and I have to know all the things before I ever raise my hand to do something. Uh, I love, Lata, what you mentioned of doing a Coursera course or uh, LinkedIn Learning or finding ways that you can continue to grow in your career because that's going to be a benefit for that company. If they don't want to invest in you, then maybe that's a consideration if that if you want to be working for that company. But I love how you brought that up of saying I can show up even better if I do some of these other things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, awesome. I know I had a couple more questions for you, but this has been already so much amazing information. So I think we could even pause here, potentially do a second interview uh, down the road. I think that would be amazing. Kind of continue this discussion around leadership because you have so much great information. But I'd love to know and share with other people where where can we get your book? I'd love to uh, hear that information and share that out as well. Sure. The book is uh, available on Amazon and places that I think sell the book (laughs) now because it is released in the pandemic. So we are kind of like, you know, but what I wanted to share with everybody, your audience is that if you want uh, a Kindle version, Amazon has it on sale at 25% discount. Uh, And this is the only thing because I went with the academic publisher since I'm an academic, you know, I don't want the price to be a barrier to people. So the ebook is offered at 25% discount on Amazon. If you're a person that prefers a a paperback version, you like a book in your hand, what you can do is you can use a code called FLYFLY21 on the publisher's website, which is the, you know, it's uh, if you just Google me with expansive leadership, I'm sure these two will show up. If you want the ebook, go to Amazon. If you want the paperback, go to the publisher's website and use Fly21 because they do shipping free worldwide. And, you know, even with just one book, there are no minimum and they give you a 20% off on paperback. And if I'm trying to negotiate a further discount with them, and I will definitely share it with you, Nicole, to Beautiful. send out to people with, you know, who would like to purchase the book. Everyone, go check it out. The book title, Expansive Leadership. I also just Googled that as well to see how quickly you can find it, which uh, was very easy to find. So go check that out. Lata, obviously, if you can tell, has so much amazing uh, information to share with us emerging leaders and wanting to grow exactly where you're at before you're actually in that leadership position. I think this would be a really great book to add uh, to your reading. So again, thank you so much, Lata, for being here today. I'm so glad we got connected and I look forward to a future potential episode. Thank you very much for having me, Nicole. And I want to wish the very best for all your listeners that, you know, go forth and conquer the world. It's yours. Yes, that's beautiful.
I loved my conversation with Lata. And as I got to relive it by editing this episode more recently, I could not help but have a smile on my face for all of the great things that she is doing. And I'm so grateful for the conversation and the connection that we now have. I would highly recommend following her on LinkedIn and also checking out her book to see if that would help you in your goals and desires to not only lead people who are on your teams, but then becoming an actual leader of people within your title. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Next Level Leaders. If today's episode resonated with you, please take a quick screenshot, share it to your Instagram, and tag me at Nicole.Harrop. I love to see it, and it means the world to me. I appreciate you helping to spread the word so I can help more women. See you on next week's episode.